0: This, this is. Make it Make it kind.
1: M. I. P. With Massimilia Matfumo. Mark Thompson.
0: Make it kind.
1: Get woke.
0: The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny.
2: Yes. the Deputy Director of the White House National Economic Council, Joelle Gamble, joins us. Madam Deputy Director, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. So, where are we on the debt limit? I know the Republicans passed something ridiculous, but where do things <laughs> stand? Where do things stand right now?
0: Yes. So, you know, as you as you mentioned. Last night, um, Speaker McCarthy, through a thin margin, right, with a thin margin, passed a bill um, that basically holds the debt limit hostage to some pretty pretty wild GOP lists, uh, wish lists of, of, of proposals. Um, you know, we're talking about cuts that could eliminate over 100,000 teachers that would impact over 32 million kids. We're talking about um, cuts that would offshore manufacturing that would get rid of jobs. An independent analysis that just came out actually estimated that um, the bill that the that Speaker McCarthy passed last night would lead to there being 780 thousand fewer jobs by the end of of 24, 2024 than there would be if we did with what the president is is calling on, which is to clean debt limit pass, um, just pass the debt limit. This is what government is supposed to do. Is to meet the obligations that we've already committed to. It's like they're trying to dine and dash, and we just want to pay the bill. And so that is what the president
2: wants to do, is pay our bills. This this keeps occurring, but, but maybe also it'd be good to help our audience understand what are the real consequences if the debt limit is not passed.
0: Yes, this has happened multiple times. I will note. With the previous president, Republicans had no issue raising the debt limit. It's no conditions, none of these kind of crazy um, gimmicks that they're they're attaching onto this bill that are going to hurt people. So this this keeps coming up. Um, But we haven't actually reached the debt limit before. And there's a reason for that. It would be catastrophic. It would mean higher borrowing costs, right? That would affect businesses, families, right? It would mean that we couldn't meet our actual bills. So people who rely on, you know, security, Medicare, those kinds of things are in jeopardy. We would probably see a major, you know, economic consequences that would affect people's jobs, right? That would affect, you know, firms ability to produce. It's, It's really like almost unimaginable. And so that's why, you know, at the end of the day, we have been able to pass debt limit increases time in and time out because not doing it is is irresponsible and it's ridiculous that Speaker McCarthy is trying to hold the debt limit hostage to these ideas that would
2: just hurt people. What passed in the house ultimately does, does the Senate have to approve?
0: The Senate would have to approve it, but the Senate is not interested in approving all of these They would hurt people. And so they're not interested in doing that.
2: Yeah. Um, is, is there any sense that the American public, um, because this, I wonder if this is still a little wonky for people to understand, or do you all get the sense mm-hmm. that the American public gets the urgency of the debt limit being passed?
0: I think the American people expect us to handle this responsibly, which is what the president is trying to do. I mean, they've heard time in and time out of this debt limit coming up again and Republican brinksmanship getting in the way. and I imagine that many people are tired of having to do this over and over again, have this big fight over policies that just should be discussed elsewhere. If, they, if the Republicans want to talk about spending, like let's talk about spending when we, when we talk about spending. And so, you know, for the American people, we should just get this done, pass a clean debt limit increase.
2: Yeah. So what's, what's the timetable now, Madam Deputy Director? What, what is, where's the clock? How close are we to the deadline?
0: Yes. So the Department of Treasury does all it can some creative tactics, to try to make sure that we can pay our bills as long as they can. But that's going to we're going to run out of things that we can do and so that's going to happen in early June. It's the most recent uh most recent estimate. And so there's not that much time. We just need to get this done.
2: And and if I mean it it, it always gets done. But you know, uh, Some people, probably not, you like me, we didn't, we knew it would happen, might happen. Some people didn't think they would overturn Roe and then it happened. Um, So we can't just just, just say that this is not gonna happen, they're gonna get it together and pass it. What is the contingency? What does the Economic Council do? How do you all prepare for the worst case scenario, the contingency, if they don't pass this thing?
0: We are just focused on passing this debt limit
2: increase. We, of course,
0: you know, if if things don't go as they should, but you know, we don't even want to, really want to entertain that possibility. We are, of course, going to do everything that we can to make sure that the the U.S. economy stays on track. But it's really to the point where we should not even have to plan for those contingencies because this is just a matter of good governance. And. If we cannot actually pass a debt limit increase, that would be a complete failure of governance, which is why the president has been so focused on not trying to negotiate over this, not trying to make it a political thing. Because as you know, when politics interests the fray, things get messy. We don't want things to get messy. We just want to pass the debt limit increase without all these gimmicks.
2: And and obviously no negotiation, because there really shouldn't be a negotiation. This is just to continue to pay bills. What is there to negotiate? There's nothing to trade off. You shouldn't be trading anything. We just want to keep... Pay the bills, keep the government open, continue to have things function.
0: Exactly. If the GOP and Speaker McCarthy is interested in talking about the spending cuts, we have a budget process. That's where you talk about those things. Right. Um, but, but not on the debt limit.
2: Uh, and just folks to show you all how tight this was, I think it with the vote was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two seventeen to two fifteen. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, th- there's not a big majority to begin with. So.
0: And these it's, are
2: not policies that are popular with the American people. Right, right. Um, yeah, it, it, this is is grandstanding.
0: I think so.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, Joel Gamble, folks, she is a deputy director of the White House Economic Policy Council. Great to talk to you. I know you will be you all will be keeping us posted about this. But yeah uh, appreciate all you're doing. OK.
0: Thank you for
2: having me. As Joe Biden announced his reelection, be good to talk to the head of the Black Pack, the executive director, Adrian Shropshire. Adrian, how are you? I'm well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. So, um, how is Black Pack feeling about Biden's reelection chances?
1: I mean, I I think that uh, that he starts in a pretty good place, actually. Um, They have a record to run on, for sure. When we think about not just the historic, um, you know, legislation that they've ever been able to get passed, which I think has had really impacts um, on on Black communities, whether it was the uh, American Rescue Plan. I mean, I think even I think about that, like there really was a moment when they came into office where, um, you know, we were losing people, you know, because of the pandemic. People's family economics were completely undermined um, and they were able to help people. Right. And I mean, in real tangible ways in terms of making sure that people could uh, pay their rent or at least not get evicted. Right. That they, um, you know, had uh, extra money to to pay for food for their kids. I mean, really thinking about um, how to really stabilize people's um, uh, economic conditions. So some real. Um, ways in which they help people directly, and then the other big kind of historic uh, legislation that they got passed. So they have a record to run on, not to mention really thinking about um, how to make the government look like the country, Um, you know, bringing in a a diverse um, set of folks into the administration, including record numbers of women and, and, and black women in particular, the judiciary, all the things that we we hear about, but I think often doesn't quite settle in. And that's one of the things that I think if I had um, a concern, it really is in their ability to actually sell the story um, that they they have. It's a good story about what they've done and what they've been able to do, but also what they plan to do, which I think um, we see, in a way, we get a glimpse into what they plan to fight for when we look at the budget that they put out.
2: So, are you confident that the African American community particularly young African Americans will be will be mobilized in 2024 to reelect Joe Biden
1: well i think that the president the vice president will have to fight for every vote. I mean, I don't think there's any, there's no taking anything or anybody for granted. So they're, they're going to have to fight for those votes, which is why they they need to be able to get out there and tell the story um, in the way that resonates with people. Uh, but yes, I think so. And part of it is, you know, based on what we've seen in the last three election cycles, uh, where we've seen record numbers uh, of, of voters turn out and Black voters uh, turn out in particular. Um, and, Frankly, it's because of the contrast, right? Like there is, when we think about what is on the other side, um, that's just not um, tenable. For black communities, and so you know I, I think that yes, we, they, they can mobilize bo- voters, they can mobilize the black community, they can mobilize younger black voters, um, and they have been doing that, not just them themselves when we think about what's been at stake in the last you know just in the in the midterms, last cycle, and the ways in which people responded around issues like abortion um, that we know are motivating. Uh, for for folks to participate, not to think that the, the big issues, whether it's gun violence or abortion or voting rights, not just that people think that they're important issues, but they are motivators to turn people out to the polls. And that is what we've been seeing. So I, I don't have any doubt um, that that folks will mobilize. I mean, this is, you know, if we, we find ourselves as a community, right, in this sort of existential crisis um, that is, you know, um, Uh, really about our participation in the democratic process right now is fundamentally Mm -hmm. about um, our community's survival. And I think that people understand that in in real ways.
2: Are are we sure, though, the young people understand it? Because you know what happened with the LSU basketball team? And it troubled me because I watched social media. And a lot of young African-Americans were like, "Okay, I'm finished with that. And I know that was in the moment. I think you're yeah. right. When people look at it, I mean, there's a clean glass and there's a dirty glass, obviously. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Trump, neither Trump nor DeSantis and nobody else. I mean, who else are they going to nominate? Um, mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. even, I don't think that passes muster. But I, I mm-hmm. do. I do worry. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about. Um, and, and. A president who's an octogenarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should not be ageist, but People get questions about that, you know,
1: right, miss. Mm-hmm. and
2: then in fairness, some people say, well, you know, out in the sister run. Um, and then there's some who say we don't see vice president Harris enough, visibly enough. Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk about all that? I just want to be sure that uh, yeah. we cover these bases. Yeah. Cause I think these are things that are, that are gonna come up.
1: You're right. Um, and I think that, um, uh, many of those questions, doubts, um, came up in twenty twenty two right in twenty nineteen throughout the throughout the the, the planet process um and into the the campaign um and and yes i mean we we have seen you know uh moments um where they could have been better um uh, where they could have done better uh, my my student uh take uh, on it is how they have responded right um in in many ways and even in that incident with with the lsu. Uh, basketball team, the response was pretty swift, right? They, they pretty quickly clarified um, that that is not happening, <laughs> right? Like we respect those young women and what they did um, and that they and they alone will have the honor of being invited uh, to the White House. So they a- reacted pretty quickly. Um, I think that they, um, and I, I think that they have learned, right, um, the importance of making sure that they get in front of um, you know stories um, that actually don't reflect you know who, who the administration is and the sort of values of the administration. But those obviously those concerns and those doubts um, are out there. There was uh, the question about you know his age, which I, I agree with you, right? I don't I don't know that that is the primary thing that we should be focused on. But those those questions existed during the 2020 campaign. Um, and I think that essentially what the administration and what Biden has said um, in some ways is, well, just watch what I do. Right. Um, watch how I work. Right. For uh, for the communities that um, that we know that we need to be uh, uh, lifting up. Uh, and so all of the things. Right. Um, that they've been able to do again. So I think that that's important. I think that the, the, this, you know, I, I get really concerned around about what is underneath right? The questions that get raised about the vice president, right? Um, all I ever see her doing <laughs> is working, right? Uh, while I, you know, she, she is on top of the most pressing issues um, in the country right now, um, whether it is uh, abortion and really taking uh, the lead in, in, you know, voicing the need for us to protect uh, a woman's right to choose, whether it is her, you know, coming down to y'all, right, and saying we cannot have um, uh, state legislatures run by Republicans throwing Black folks out of the legislature, right? There are, uh, there are things that we won't tolerate, and we're going to stand by those people who are on the right side of history. So whether it's her, you know, uh, going on her you know, historic trip to Africa and trying to make the connection between african American and the African continent and what America is prepared to do um, to help advance um, a, a, some critical issues. So I, I have to wonder, right, what is underneath there? We know it's sexism. Uh, We know it's, uh, you know, misogyny and we know that it's racism when we see the kinds of articles that come out holding her to a standard for the vice presidency that no other person in that office has ever been held to. Um, And so from my perspective, we're not going to do that. Right. We're not going to hold her to a different standard uh, because folks got issues uh, with her gender or with her race. We're going to we're going to protect her. We're going to say what she's been doing. Right. We're going to say. Um, how she is helping to move uh, the country forward. And I think we need to be careful uh, about allowing those kind of narratives to take root in our own community uh, where they don't, where it just simply does not belong. And so we're going to tell the truth. Right. Uh, But that is also That is not to say that we're also not going to say here's where they need to be doing better. Right. Right. right, Here are the things that they need to do better on here are the ways that they, here are the issues that they need to be addressing and how they need to address them for our community to see ourselves um, in the progress um of the country.
2: No, that that's also also very important. Um it, it, what do you think about this primary calendar? I mean, we're going to start in South Carolina for a change that's not happened before. What impact yep. do you think that will have on mobilizing uh the black electorate?
1: Well, you know, I think that the primary system needed to be adjusted probably a long time ago, right? When we think about um Uh, who the country is, when we think about who the Democratic Party is, um, you know, I think that that is um, the it it was the right thing to do to make the adjustment, not only South Carolina going first, but moving up other states that are diverse as well. Right. Moving up Nevada, uh, moving up Michigan, moving up Georgia. Right. Like all of that, I think, is really important, not just in saying, you know, what the what the Democratic coalition looks like and how we make sure that the voices that make up the coalition uh, are heard, you know, uh, in, in an equal way, right? But also because we know that no Democratic presidential candidate is going to win the nomination in the foreseeable future without the Black vote, right? And so it, it's, and that's just a reality. And so when we think about then that, that process, um, you know, I don't think that we should, you know, the challenge is that you start someplace else that isn't very diverse. And there is what we've seen in the last, you know, both in 2020, but also during, um, uh, 2008, this sort of, yeah, you know, people start to catch momentum and then suddenly reality catches up with them, right? Like, uh, like here, here, here is the nominee that the base, the party actually wants versus a sort of a distortion um, that was coming out of the, the, the old primary system. So I think that that's important. I think it'll be important for motivating voters. We've seen that in the last couple of uh, election cycles as well, or presidential election cycles, the sort of motivation uh, that comes when people feel like the candidate is on a roll. I think we'll see, uh, we'll be able to have a conversation earlier about what it looks like to motivate black voters and young black voters and, and younger voters of color in general. I think we'll be able to start that conversation much earlier and have them weigh in much earlier just because the primary order has changed.
2: That, that's very, very um, important. What do you think are going to be the biggest issues for the black electorate? The, the, the real issues that the black electorate is going to be focused on when they vote, when we vote.
1: Well, you know, in, you know, we do a lot of polling um, because we feel like it's really important for us to do our own research so that we understand our community, um, that we, uh, you know, we don't do oversamples. <laughs> we just poll Black people. Um, and we try and ask the kinds of questions that oftentimes, you know, other pollsters don't ask. And so Cornell Belcher is our pollster. And we spend a lot of time really thinking about Um, You know, what is important to get out there uh, about the way that that uh, black voters, black communities are feeling right now. And I will say that over the last five years that we have been around um, and we've been doing uh, polling, the issues, quite frankly, remain the same. Uh, They're very similar in terms of the issues and they may shift places, you know, every once in a while. Uh, But we know that it is the economy. Right. We know that it is healthcare right? We know that it is education. We know that it is gun violence, right? And sometimes that shows up as crime, right? As being a, the crime is an important issue. But really, when you get underneath that, what people are concerned about is gun violence. Um, their worry is that. Um, we know that people are concerned about racism and discrimination and the, and the rise of white supremacy. We know that that is sort of an overarching issue so that when people talk about the economy and they talk about healthcare, and education, a lot of that is about the racial disparities that we see um, within those indicators. Um, and so those are going to be, they're going to remain, those will remain the issues, right? We know that, again, that abortion was, uh, and abortion rights was a major uh, motivating factor for Black communities uh, in the midterm election. And that will be true again, because it really is this question about, and, you know, I think in, the, um, in Joe Biden's um, video, he said something like, you know, it's a question of are there going to be, do you want more rights or less rights, right? Do you want more freedom or less freedom? Um, And when we think about the issues that Black communities have, you know, prioritized and said, these are the issues that we care most about, um, those issues are issues of rights, fundamental rights, right, and fundamental freedoms um, that we have been struggling uh, for for generations. And I think that those are still the things that we're fighting for. And I think that um, whether it is, um, you know, the, the things that we've mission, mentioned, education, where we know we've seen the attempt to not just, you know, erode, but to end public education in this country from the other side. Right. These are these are issues that voting rights, right, not, not expanding, right, voting rights and the uh, access for people, but on the other side, trying to dismantle all of that. Um, and so I think those will, those are going to be the issues that those are the issues that we care about. They're going to be the issues that we care about, and those are also the issues that uh, the Biden administration, um, the Biden Harris administration, and the Biden Harris campaign will need to speak to.
2: Very important, Adrian Shropshire, folks, the executive director of the Black Pack. Uh, Adrian, let everyone know your website so they can keep up with you.
1: BlackPack.com.
2: Blackpack. And
1: um, uh, uh, add both Black Pack on the other social channels.
2: Wonderful, Adrian Shropshire. I guess, folks. Thank you, Adrian. And of course, we'll be talking uh, throughout this. Uh, okay, we're waiting on a couple of. Speaking of black, we're waiting on a couple of black women, y'all. We're waiting on uh, Chish James to handle her case, yep. and our sister in Georgia, uh, yep. Fannie Willis. So yep. is is interesting, and what and Alvin's a brother is interesting you know uh the the african-americans involved in all of these (laughs) in all of these cases
1: listen standing in the gap and saying we'll do this yeah we will keep hearing it yeah Yeah.
2: Yeah. blackpack.com thank you adrian thank you thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain as always perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.